When Dawn Bean took voluntary redundancy from her well-paid and perfectly stable job in computing, she did have a moment of, oh flip, what have I done? She was taking a leap into the unknown as she ventured down the path of creating the independent bookshop she'd always dreamed of in her local town of Kilcullen, County Kildare. Today on the Selection Box mini-series on independent booksellers, I get to meet Dawn and ask her how this roll of the dice would eventually result in Woodbine Books being named the Irish Independent Bookstore of the Year in 2018 and go from strength to strength in lockdown, even hosting online author events with the likes of Graeme Norton. This entire series is based on an idea brought to me by a friend of the show, Deckrine, and designed to shine a light on and encourage you to get out there and support these great stores at the heart of our communities back home to support our show here at uh, Irishman Abroad and to hear our vast library of episodes with the greatest Irish people ever to have left our shores simply go to patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad Dawn Bean of Woodbine Books it is great to have you on the show how are you doing? Angry, great, thanks, and thank you for asking me to do it. It's brilliant. I'm delighted, and it's been such fun to put this series together so far across the first three episodes of the series. I'm coming to understand that the draw of shops like Woodbine is as much the atmosphere and the personal care and attention as anything else. You seemed to know this going in, but there had to be doubts even when taking the course in how to do it and putting all your eggs in the basket. What, how real were those doubts and how much of them were attached to people telling you a, a shop like that will never work in this town? Uh, <laughs> yeah, people are so helpful, aren't they? Yeah, a lot of people said that. What are you doing? Nobody reads books. But I knew that I read books and I liked going to shops like that. And I knew that I couldn't be the only person. So I wanted a bookshop that was the kind of bookshop that I wanted to go into and that I would have liked to have been in Kilcullen when I was younger. And yeah, I did, you know, I did think, oh, God, what am I doing? But I'd already had a stable job with a pension and all that kind of thing. And I knew that I could go back to that if I wanted to. So I, what I did was I said, well, this American multinational are giving me redundancy money. I'm going to treat it as if I didn't have it. It doesn't matter. Hmm. You know, I'm going to just it's not mine to lose. It's theirs to lose. I'll try it. If it doesn't work, I'll go back to IT. It'll always be there. And I'll know then that it what it you know, I tried it and it didn't yeah, work. Yeah, but it's still, it's still done. It's still even yeah. saying it that way. And it probably is like the the most fortuitous way to come across the money next to yeah. winning the winning lot. The lot. <laughs> right? I know. It, and it, I mean, if you get it, why, why, why wouldn't you try something that you wanted to try but couldn't take the risk before? Yeah, but all that being said, it's still a hefty chunk of change. Yeah. And, there, and there obviously was enough of you that while you did like the computing job, the job in IT and the people were probably brilliant that you worked with, that you you, you don't want it to fail. You don't want yeah. to go back. I didn't uh, know because, you know, if I loved it that much, I wouldn't have wanted to mm. leave it. I w- it would have just gone like lots of people that I worked with. Same thing. They took voluntary redundancy or they were made redundant and they just moved to different jobs in different companies and continued doing the same kind of work and enjoyed it. But I just thought, you know, it was a long commute from Kildare to Dublin every day. I liked the work, but really I liked the people and they were kind of, the company was winding down. So people were leaving all the time. So all the people that you were friends with were actually gone. And when I actually looked around and thought, what's keeping me here? 
mm. you know, so and then, why not try something? <laughs> I mean, it's not too dissimilar from my own path into stand up in that, you know, I got let go and immediately started to think, well, where will I go next in the same industry? And then there's that moment where you go, no, hang on. I actually do know what I'd really love. How much was your partner, Aidan, part of that decision to go, you know, feck it, we well, may as well try it? He actually, he did say, yeah, go for it. But again, he had a steady job, so it wasn't really a leap into the dark. I knew there was hmm. there was going to be money coming in, the bills were going to be paid. But no, he was very supportive and he actually took a year's leave of absence from work the first year that we were open and helped me for the year to set up so no, it was great. Yeah, so so <laughs> my mother maybe wasn't quite so <laughs> yeah, well, that, <laughs> easy to convince. That him. is the other thing. They they're always <laughs> the one to raise the eyebrow. And when I say when I bring up that kind of pushback, the the Kildare pushback to the the who do you think you are <laughs> kind of element <laughs> that isn't just reserved to Kildare. There there is just a certain sense of well, there's never been anything like that. There's no evidence to say that something like this could work. You believed that there were people around that that would be interested. I mean, give people an idea of exactly how small Kilcullen is and why (laughs) you had the faith that there were enough people or that if the shop was good enough, that people would travel to it. Yeah, well, Kilcullen, in Kildare, it's a small town. For people from outside Kildare, it's a village. Mm. So my husband's from Dublin. He's like, how can you call this a town? It's only one street. (laughs) But it is. (laughs) I mean, I we grew up in a village outside it so to us it, it was a town and there was stuff in it but it is there's just a main street and um, there's about four thousand people there's one secondary school one big primary school then there are villages dotted around it with small rural schools um, and there will be a lot of small villages around you know maybe within a mile or two mm-hmm. who would use it as the main town but no i'm um, on paper or on any business plan you would look and go you never have the footfall but in saying that, it's got a salary that, um, you know, would deal with the with Olympic teams. It's got a butchers that's won awards throughout Europe. So it actually punches above its weight. But I just, <laughs> I suppose everybody who sets up something, I just knew that there was a market there, but it doesn't always work. Mm. But if I would, anytime I go to any town or visit anywhere, I'd look for a bookshop. So I knew that there was that potential there. And I knew that people travel for bookshops in a way that they wouldn't for other things. Yeah, I mean, Nolan's Butchers that you referenced there is <laughs> yeah. a friend of the show, uh, uh, James, of course. Oh, yeah, James, yeah. yeah. So James has done a couple of episodes with us around organ donation. And yeah, he's I mean, there's an example of a shop that people travel to, uh, that they would, you know, take the take the, the whip out to Kilcullen to get that quality cuts of beef or whatever yeah, black I know. pudding it, that they want. It sounds like it shouldn't work, but yeah, it does. But it, it does. And, it, you know, I guess Nolan's Butchers must have given you a certain amount of hope in that direction, because if people were going to travel to Kilcullen for that, yeah, perhaps see, the, they'd travel there for you. Exactly. They're traveling anyway, so they're going to be in Kilcullen. So you have to think of all those people who are in the town who live miles away, like people come from Port Leash and they'll, they'll come into us and say, oh, yeah, well, I was just up at Nolan's collecting stuff anyway. And I said, I'd pop down to you. Hmm. I was just in Bernie's, the saddlers picking up whatever. <laughs> and sure, I'm parked here anyway. So I said I'd call in. Yeah. Picking so, up yes, whatever people pick whatever up in, people in saddleries. saddlers, I <laughs> <Yeah>. guess saddles. <laughs> yeah. uh, spare stirrups. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. I, I should know, but I don't. But, uh, you know, the, the, the success and the, the takeoff 
of it was extremely quick, like relative to some of the stories that we're going to hear on this series of, you know, an overnight success after years and years of struggle is often the case for a lot of independent bookstores. And some have had to kind of realize that they needed to get creative after years of just kind of plodding along. What do you attribute the kind of the quick rise of Woodbine books? Like, surely there's there's something now with hindsight that you go, ah, we were right place, right time, and we had these things in place, so we hit the ground running. I think a lot of it was just luck. Like, we were coming out of the crash, so a lot of bookshops were open and then went into the crash and had to survive and come back out the other side. But we were only starting up after that. Social media had already taken off, so everyone was on Facebook, so it was easier to get your name out there without having to put ads in newspapers Mm. or whatever, things like that. And we were lucky that there was a few articles in newspapers and things like that that kind of got us out into more a wider, say, wider than Kildare. So people would travel from Dublin or Carlow or places that weren't that far to drive or say they were on their way somewhere and they would just pull in off the motorway and have a look because they read about us somewhere. Yeah. So so that's part of it. But obviously there's there's a humility in there, Don, because you know, the care and attention that you take in curating this place and making it what it is, is obviously the, you know, the unique selling point of it. And and I referenced this at the start, that this is the independent bookstore pitch. This is what makes it great and why people need to get out and support these things. Because all those things that you don't get in a big chain or on Amazon you find in in your shop. So would you at the very beginning have prided yourself on that, have been like, no, this is our identity. We are the people who know where every book is in this shop. And if we don't know where it is, we will get it for you. Well, I wish that was true because we ne- can never find anything <laughs> nothing's ever in the right place. That's the char- We've decided to go with that's part of the charm of the place. Everything's <laughs> yeah. all over the place. But no, I mean, I love books. And I think that's that's basically it. It sounds simple, but that's that is the thing. I love talking about them. I love reading about books. I love reading books. I love listening to other people telling me about books. So it just I think it's that interest. So and if somebody wants a book, I'll try and find it no matter how hard it is, I know I wouldn't say, oh, you know what? Why don't you go and look on the internet and you'll get it quicker. We'll try and track it down if we can't. You know, we'll get back to the person and apologize that we tried our best, but we'll always try our best to get whatever anybody wants. And I think that's the difference. Also, if you come in, I'm going to be here. (laughs) You know, you're going to get to talk to me or to we. I mean, there's only three of us who are here full time. Mm. So everybody gets to know you. You get to know people's tastes. It's I don't know what it is, but it is. It's just that if people love books, they'll try their best and they'll know, even if they're not the kind of books that you read, you'll know about the books. You know, we listen to Ryan Tuberty every day. He mentioned you this morning, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) your tweet about your vaccine. (laughs) (laughs) You've made it when Ryan Tuberty mentioned (laughs) you. Yeah, there you go. I didn't know about that. But, (laughs) but, but you know, you're referencing here, though. And, you know, I really feel like we should probably get Ryan on at some point because, you know, articulating what you're trying to say here is quite hard, right? Because it's and it's kind of why we need these few episodes to get the thumb on top of what it is, what's special and why it needs protection. And part of it is the relationship, this kind of organic growing relationship that the bookstore isn't just like, 
a Bernard Black's Black Books, We Are What We Are, get out if you don't like yeah. it. Your shop, like the shops that we've had on so far, is an organic thing that's growing with the needs of the community. And there's probably no better example of that than the turn towards selling school books. Can you talk to us about that decision? Yeah, it's something that I said from the start. I'm not selling school books. I don't like going into bookshops that sell school books. I don't like school books. It's, it's, you know, I wanted a bookshop that was proper books. And that's what it was when it opened. And then so we opened in September. And by, say, the following year, coming up to the end of the school year, people started to say, and will you be doing school books? It would be really handy if you did school books. I wouldn't have to go to Newbridge or I wouldn't have to go to Nace. I wouldn't have to do this, that. Mm. And it was my husband who uh, said, <laughs> agreed. I had nothing to do with it. And then I couldn't pull out of it because he'd already told people that we would sell school books. And now we do. <laughs> so I picked this book today because I really enjoyed it. I think it's a really good idea. And I also think it's a good you're listening to the selection like, box exclusively available from irishman abroad premium on patreon.com i love this book it's called boy on fire by michael mark morgie and what i loved about it was it's dealing with the early years of his life from there was one book that i was dipping into the power of full engagement i'm mad for these business type books yeah i love kevin barry's work I first got into him when uh, his first book is short. I think he's a brilliant short story writer. His novels are great. So it never occurred to me that like anybody would be interested in reading books written by an Irish woman in an Irish accent. But yeah, I read the short story. I liked it. Something inside of me said, you could do something like that. You know, a book is a way of starting a conversation with somebody. Mm. And it's through the interaction with people that we can build on this sense of community. I think the independent bookshop has that air of I, just the crack and the fun with people and discussing with people what they're interested in. I think that uh, you referenced in another article that you were in that while there was that part of you that was like, now, that's not what I had the vision, you know, that wasn't how I pictured this place. And there, I, I hear what you're saying in some ways when school books start appearing, there's a bang of work. <laughs> off them. Yes, there isn't the same whiff of there's no joy relaxation. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It takes <laughs> you it back is. to a place of tension and yeah, you're reading this because you yeah. have to read this <laughs> and nobody wants them and everybody needs them. Mm. So. Nobody wants to buy them. Nobody wants to sell them. But everybody has to. It's really stressful because it has to be crammed into a three month window. And it's look, <laughs> it has to be done. But, but that's, People that's like just the it. Service. It's, and if you're a community bookshop, you have to give the community what they want. Well, that's, that's just it. And that, and that is why I, I really admire that side to this story, because it would have been easy for uh, you and, and Aidan to dig the heels in. But instead, the work that you did in, you know, uh, fulfilling these requests, which would be detailed requests that people would submit and go, I need this, this and this, it must have prepared you in a big way for the unforeseeable, this pandemic that suddenly drops on your on your doorstep and threatens everything that you've worked so hard to build. 
but you're weirdly, as a result of those school books <laughs> orders, uniquely positioned to now go, what do you want? I can get it for you and fulfill a complex order uh, yeah, using it, that structure. It's true. And our website up on just before the pandemic, the only online sales we had, I had it set up for school books to try and take them kind of out of the shop. But it meant that because that structure was in place when we were locked down, I was able to very quickly get all our normal book stock onto the website and move online really quickly. Whereas other people who weren't online at all, it was a bigger deal and it was a lot of stress, but it was actually very easy for us to get everything online because of school books. So every cloud has a silver lining, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, 100%. And uh, Tomas, uh, Kenny in Galway <laughs> and Joanne Hunter in Lewisburg at Books at One talked about this kind of strange journey that that brought for the shop in that it brought you closer by moving you apart from the customer that those people that were ordering obviously had other options but each and every order was essentially a, a vote in a referendum as to whether your bookshop would continue when all of this was over and that must have been moving on some level yeah it was and i know tomas said this to you as well that people made a point of saying, I'm buying from you because I want you to be here mm. at the end of this. You know, yeah, of course they could. I mean, they could have gone to Tesco's. They were selling books, mm. you know, and you could go in there. But no, people made a point of buying things, of buying vouchers, of sending things to people all around the country from them. But they said, no, we don't want to lose you. And you could see, I think people, especially Kilcullen, it's it's kind of a split of and it, oh, the people who or generate or lived here for generations and the new people who commute and some people didn't realize what was in the town until we were all locked down it could only go five kilometers and when they actually started to look around the town you know they realized that there's a lot more in it than they thought and that they wanted stuff to stay and then a few things did close down in the town i think it gave people a shock mm. and they realized you know what we're all going to have to do something Absolutely. No, they're absolutely brilliant to us. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's been brought home, I think, uh, so many times, but it's still on a knife edge for so many places that are, you know, even just in the last 24 hours here in the UK, you know, Boris announces that he's yeah, pushing back the opening, full opening by another two weeks. And there's genuinely people going, well, that's us screwed. That's us done. Yeah. We were counting on that. So while we can put together this series and people can listen to it and go, yeah, isn't that uh, adorable and wonderful that that took place? It still needs to take place. Now, I do want to move on to the Graham Norton event specifically <laughs> and the online author stuff that you did. Talk me through how that came about and what your reaction was when you realised that we're actually going to have the biggest talk show host <laughs> this side yeah. of the Atlantic at an event for our shop. Yeah, now, at the start of the pandemic, Keen from the Minute Bookshop came to me. Now, I know Keen because we're on Bookselling Ireland Committee together. Hmm. So he'd come to me and said, you see a few bookshops in the UK are um, getting together to do online events. Do you think we could do something like that, independent bookshops, and, and who would be a good third person? So he suggested Antonia from Antonia's Books in Trim because we're all kind of in the same area. So he's in North Kildare, I'm in South Kildare, and Antonia's in Mead. So we're not direct competitors, but we're in kind of near enough to each other that we could sure. uh, visit each other if we needed to, I suppose. So I rang Antonia and 
to see would she be interested she said oh yeah count me in so got together and said well we try and host some online events just to keep people interested to give something to people Mm. during the lockdown when we were all working away behind closed doors but people couldn't come in so we started off the first one we did was with Hazel Gaynor who actually lives locally here so she came in and we recorded it and my laptop stopped it went to sleep about 10 minutes in (laughs) I had to start all over again and we recorded it again so we tried so we did that and it worked very well but then we decided that the recorded ones it wasn't the same people liked to have the interaction so um after that, we did them all live. Um, we weren't used to Zoom or anything. It was all just kind of, I'm sure we'll jump in and see what's the worst that could happen. Yeah. But then it was actually Keen who set up the Graham Norton one. He, he came to us one day and said, look, I don't <laughs> I don't know if this will come off, but um, how would you feel about hosting? It was the Irish arm of it. So um, Griffin Books in the UK were doing the UK mm-hmm. launch. So. It was the four bookshops together, um, but it was for Graham Norton and Anne Griffin. And Keen knows Anne Griffin from coming into his shop. Um, so I think that was kind of the in. But it was terrifying. Absolutely, uh, I can imagine. <laughs> just... I mean, when a big, when a big, we're having someone on where you just want to go, this can't go wrong. It's always the day, no matter how many times you cross the I's and dot the T's. <laughs> something yeah. does happen it starts to be unstable or something so now, it was lucky that yeah. usually we have we usually we do the interviews ourselves and we take it in turns to ask questions but they had a professional moderator in so we actually just had to <laughs> sit there sit and, um, and enjoy it. which wasn't too bad <laughs> it could have been a lot worse but actually he was really lovely we we met him beforehand everybody um, met in the zoom waiting room beforehand and he was just exactly like he is on tv he was really lovely and natural and down to earth yeah, unlike myself, when, yeah. that when we press stop yes. here, I turn into an absolute monster. And uh, that, that, that's only for you to enjoy now when we're, we're done and dusted. This is a big week. This is uh, Independent Bookstore Week coming up in Ireland, the 19th to the 26th of June. You don't have Graham popping into the store again, but you, you sure you have, <laughs> no. you have other stuff on, right? No, after Boris uh, extended the lockdown, no. But we do have some events. So we've continued with our Tale of Three Indies events. So on the 19th, the Saturday, we have an event for families, for kids, with children's illustrator and author, Jerry Daly. He wrote, um, Where Are You Puffling? Or he did the illustrations. And he has a, a new book um, called Finn's First Song about a whale. So he's going to read from that and he does a draw along. So if you bring your pencils and your paper, you can draw, draw a whale with him. And on the 23rd, we have Louise Nealon. Big Kildare star now, breakout star with her debut novel, uh, Snowflake. And Jamie O'Connell, who his debut novel is out as well, Diving for Pearls. So we have an event with them on the 23rd. Fantastic. So it should be good. It's great to have them um, to be back to doing kind of normal things. Absolutely. Well, it would be wrong, uh, Dawn, if I didn't bring up, you know, some some form of discussion about, you know, where you are at with Amazon and that, you know, that giant hanging over the shoulder and what you might say to people who have maybe stumbled across this episode or given it a listen, but are still going, ah, yeah, but you know, I've got Prime membership. I can get it delivered to my door tomorrow. Is there a way of winning those people over other than everything we've just talked about for the last half an hour? I don't know. I think it's like, <laughs> go back to Nolan's The Butchers again, there's people who buy their meat in supermarkets and there's people who go to a specialised store because mm. they want special attention. And 
I think the market is probably big enough for both. But a lot of people are coming back from Amazon now because if you want, if you want to find out, you know, what kind of book your child should read and they like, I don't know, dinosaurs or dragons or wolves, whatever, you can't ring up Amazon and say, could you give me some idea of what mm. I should get? Or yeah, and my the, and the reviews are manipulated. Time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, during lockdown, we our biggest seller was a book called The Invisible String, and it was a, a picture book for kids. But it's about when you're apart from your family, it you know, there's still something that holds you together. Mm. But you know, we could recommend that because we've looked through it and we know it's a good book. You you know, it might pop up on Amazon. It might not. You don't know, but at least you know what you're getting when you come into an independent bookshop. You have somebody who stand behind the recommendation. And I, I have no problem telling somebody I wouldn't recommend a book if they ask me. <laughs> I just, I, no, I wouldn't sell a book just because it's there. If I don't think it's right for a person, I'll say, look, I wouldn't. You, you can take it if you want, but it wouldn't be what I would recommend. And I don't think you'll get that from Amazon either. Well, one of the, I think the, the piece that really resonated with me from what I read in preparation for this was just your articulation of how you get to meet people at very different points in their lives and uh, at their highest and their lowest lows. Can you talk a bit about what that feels like and how you know you probably need to really equip yourself with so much, so much social skills to be able to navigate what can be often really, really difficult conversations in a store like yours? It really can, but you just, I mean, sometimes we just hope, well, not anymore, we don't, but we used to, you know, you just hope people and let them say whatever they have to say or what they don't want to say and just be there for them. I mean, that's the thing about it being a community bookshop. It's not just a bookshop, it, it's it's a community place where people drop in and you see the same people all the time and you know them. There was a, a woman in yesterday with her little boy and he's, I think he's three, he's four. And the first time we ever saw her, she it was her first time out after she'd had him and she'd had him up at the public health nurse for his first checkup and then came into us. And she's been coming in ever since. So we've seen him from the time he was six weeks old growing up. You know, there's things like that. It's, and especially during the lockdown, people dying. And, you know, you couldn't really, you could say things to people, but you're two metres apart and it's just, it's awful. But it's good to be there for people, I suppose. Yeah, and also carrying, you know, this wealth of information and, as you say, books that may be perfect for whatever situation no, that they find hard. themselves in. I mean, I think we've all had that experience of going, this was the book that I needed at this point in, in my life or whatever crisis I was in. This book raised me out of it. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, and the, the and there is a book for everything. It's just it's hard to know what that book is. It takes a bit of experience, I suppose. Yeah, and a bit of trust. Like that's yeah. that, that's the trust element of it, isn't it? That uh, building that bit of trust uh, with your local independent bookstore is the only place to yield these returns that you need in those times. But uh, I, I have to say, Dawn, it's been a really fun chat and it's whizzed by. I don't know where yeah. the half an hour went, <laughs> but uh, I really loved it. And I can't wait to pop in uh, when I'm back oh, in August. Oh, please do when you're uh, back. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be back in uh, doing a bit of a tour of then. Ireland around the end of July and August. I'll, of course, be doing runs with the Sonia Sullivan Irishman Running Abroad podcast. I'll be setting up a series of runs around the country where I'll be through 
August and we might try and tie them in with the bookshops. Maybe there's a way. Just don't make us run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll stop in for the coffee at the end. Uh, I will be back, of course, with Marion McKeown on Friday for more Irishman in America. But uh, this is this is the selection box in our independent bookstore series. If you'd like to make a recommendation, if there's a bookstore you think we need to shine a light on, Irishman Abroad Podcast at gmail.com. Brian Connolly does the production. John Mar does extra research. As I said, Deck Ryan came up with the idea. Tina and Mikey make it all possible. And Dawn being at Woodbine Bookstore in Kilcullen was my guest today. Dawn, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thank you, Charlotte. I really enjoyed it.